CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back officially kicking off a brand new season of the Canadian Football Countdown here because preseason has come and gone, and the regular season is finally here. CFL football in its official form is back michael garrell how are you i'm good i'm good um should we let the cat out of the hat what's the cat out of the hat for those that haven't been following our social media channels oh yeah so uh we we've had a busy last couple of days uh on the canadian football countdown if you haven't followed us on social media um first of all we have a nice brand new logo for the podcast, so you can uh, check that out. I don't have an applause sound effect yet. Maybe that comes in the future. We're working on a lot of things. Yes. Uh, go to our Twitter account at CFC on Mike FM or Facebook.com slash CFC on Mike FM to check out the brand new spanking new logo that we now have for our podcast and along. But Ryan, we need a new website, don't we? Oh, wait. We have that now. This is the cheesiest infomercial in the history of infomercials. <laughs> Who cares? We're just so excited. Brand new webpage for the Canadian Football Countdown. You can find that. I just released it uh, just before we started the podcast about recording here about an hour ago. If you go to MikeFMWinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That's all hyphenated. The Canadian Football Countdown's all hyphenated. Uh, you can find our new webpage. You'll find podcast. Our all of our episodes of the podcast will be released on there as they come out, and a whole lot more, Mike. Yes. Why don't you talk a little about what's to come there? Um, we will be posting our pits as well, and I believe Brian, you're working on a weekly article about fantasy and the fantasy outlook. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm a, as many know, I am a big uh, junkie of the CFL fantasy football. I enjoy playing that every year and sometimes invest a little too much in that uh, of my time and interest uh, and, you know, my attention onto the fantasy side of the CFL. So look to weekly fantasy projections, picks and stuff like that from me. Also, weekly articles coming from you. We have a whole whack load of content on the way. Yes, and I am working on an article. I don't want to get too much into it right now. It should be out either late tonight or sometime tomorrow. Just finalizing some information for that. Yeah, lots of content to come. Uh, website's still under construction because I literally started on it about three days ago. Um so stay tuned, more being added to it. That's MikeFMWinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown, all hyphenated. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into, because this is our 2018 CFL season preview show, officially kicking off the 2018 season. Here's what you can expect 
from the podcast side of things this year is every week in the past we've done a single episode we've talked about the games that happened in the past week uh and then uh very quickly at the end of the week mike we've talked about the, you know the games to come who we saw winning those ones we decide we wanted to focus a little more on the games to come this season so what we're at, what we're doing now is we're splitting it out into two episodes a week so you'll get the uh, on all of our podcast feeds, you'll get the previous week recap uh, coming out Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night you will get the next week preview show coming out. So two episodes of the podcast a week on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. The 2018 CFL season preview. Uh, this past November, the Toronto Argonauts became the Grey Cup champions after beating the Calgary Stampeders, and Thursday night, Eskimos and Bombers kick off a new quest for one of these nine teams in the CFL to become the next Grey Cup champion. We're, we're going to go through each team here. We're going to talk about, you know, what we thought of their offseason, their preseason, our expectations coming into this year, and ultimately, obviously, what's a what's a season preview show without some predictions, Mike, right. in terms of where do we see these teams finishing in the standings? And, of course, we have to pick our preseason Grey Cup champions by the end of this by the end of this show here give you a little flashback to last year the toronto argonauts win the great cup both of us had them finishing last in the cfl so whoever we pit whoever we pit to be in last will probably be the great cup champion that's the best way to look at it the 2018 great cup champion montreal alouettes everybody (laughs) well after vegas you never know you see that story just real quick from that, their owner who finished it to admit the playoffs. I don't see why he's wrong in that. It's do I am I picking them to make the playoffs? Getting ahead of myself here? No, but it could happen. It's a nine-team league. Six Think teams make the playoffs. It's not that difficult. Think about this though. What else is an owner gonna say? Exactly. My team not to admit the playoffs. What kind of owner are you? Exactly. Of course you think your team didn't make the playoffs. Let's start out. I want to start off with the East Division, Mike, and Mm -hmm. then we'll move into the West Division because I think the West is where we're going to have a lot more of an interesting conversation here. Yeah. Because I know you've been struggling and I've been struggling to come up with how I'm going to pick the West Division. I I, I still don't even know. Like, I'm flipping them around in my head. Uh, But the East Division, I think I have a pretty clear outlook on that one. Um. I think you do as well. Somewhat. Uh, we'll find that Somewhat. out. But uh, which team in the East Division do you want to start with, Mike, uh, with talking about here? Well, I, I think, you know, we'd be good to talk about a team that made a pretty substantial move today and a pretty substantial move the day before the preseason. Let's start in Hamilton. Okay. So, looking at the Hamilton Tiger Cats, last year they start 0-8. They pick up their play down the stretch. Uh, they still fall short of making the playoffs. I believe they went six and twelve. Was their final record? They were zero oh. and eight, and then six and four. So yeah, six and twelve then was the, was the final record. Just missed guess. the playoffs. Uh, looking at the off season, this is a team that, for the most part, didn't do a heck of a whole lot in the off season. Mainly because I think they, you know, I, I think they made a lot of their changes around Labor Day. Um. The only thing that concerns me, and I don't know if you feel this way, 
if they're hinging too much on what they believe was a very good second half of the year, which it was at six, six and four in their last ten, are they believe are they are what they're telling me right now is that they believe that they can carry that over. So what do you make of their off season? Because I going into the off season and we talked about this on the podcast over the winter, you know, said that the Ticats I don't think need to go out and do a whole lot. And that's crazy to say for a team that finished six and twelve missed playoffs in a league where only three teams missed playoffs. But I, I thought they finished strong. You ride the momentum off of that. You get a full season of Jeremiah Mazzoli with Brandon Banks performing at, you know, the level he started to play at. You get Terrence Tolliver back for this year. I I, I think, honestly, that's the biggest offseason addition for the Ticats. It's not anyone they brought in. How about Orlando Steinhauer? That, too. I was going to say that. It was going to be either Orlando Steinhauer or getting Terrence Tolliver back from injury. The big flashy one is obviously Mr. Johnny Manziel, the backup quarterback now for the Ticats as he's officially made the team. But really, I think the addition that they didn't have last season that's going to make the biggest impact is Terrence Tolliver at the wide receiver position. And whether it's Mazzoli the entire season or Mazzoli starts to struggle and it's Manziel, and hang on one second, mm-hmm. Mike, whoever's that quarterback for the Ticats, has a whole heck of a lot of weapons at their disposal. You're looking at Terrence Tolliver. You're looking at Luke Tasker. You're looking at Jalen Saunders, who had a heck of a year last year. The running back, Alex Green and Brent John White. And John White, who they just brought in today, which I love that move from the Cats. And Brandon Banks, who was one of the best receivers in the league last year, had almost 1,000 yards in his final 10 games. Here's an interesting thing for me. What do we make of Hamilton? Like, do you have any concerns with... I I don't consider what they did standing pat. That's not what they did. They they made some changes. Right. I guess my question is, are you okay with the safe moves that they made? I think so. Because it would have been easy to bring in parts and bring out... move out, and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of the CFL model now, isn't it? Right? To, but to move pieces all around. To stay in-house, to know what you got. Again, my concern is, do you bang too much on the back half of last year, and maybe that being a bit of a mirage? We'll never know that, probably until late in the season, or the midway points of the season, but I think Hamilton played it safe, and I think they're going to get rewarded for it this year. You know, they could have brought in a few more players, but, you know, again, they decided to stay for the most part what got them at 6-4 and four down the stretch. And if you can go 5-3 and three and 5-3 and three in your halves of the season or somewhere around there, you know, you're 10-8, you're, you're in a playoff spot. Right. I believe I watched both of Hamilton's preseason games. I'm very impressed with Johnny Mandel. You think about it, his first day in the CFL, his first day exposed to a CFL playbook was less than three weeks ago. It'll be be three weeks on Saturday. His numbers weren't the most flashy, certainly. You know, I think I I was was listening to Podsky Wee Wee on the way home and on the way here. It's it's a Ticats podcast and talking about, you know, Mandel. I think he just played it safe. I think he had something around 100 total, 160 yeah. something yards between the two games. 
one touchdown pass that came in the game against Montreal. And here's the big thing for me. No interceptions. You know what? I hate to say this. Never thought I'd say this about Charlie Manziel. She's starting to get that game manager label. I'll tell you what. If you don't turn the ball over, just ask Matt Nichols. They ate interceptions off last year. And the bottom has finished 12 and 6. You know, managing turnovers to me, if there was one thing that Johnny Mandel did better than that of Jeremiah Mazzoli, turnovers. He managed the turnovers. There were nothing really glaring. Uh, and he didn't do what I, a lot of people that come to the CFL do. I don't think he forced the ball anywhere that was like, Oh my goodness, why you force it into three man coverage? Man, they got a scary, a scary good defense. If they can, they can minimize their turnovers, that's the one thing I worry about with Jeremiah Mazzoli is a little bit of uh, forcing the ball in there and then some ball hotting defense. Minimize your turnovers and a defense that can force turnovers, absolutely. And I, I think Hamilton will be better. And I think, I think people will be fairly surprised the type of season that Hamilton. Just to cut you off there, talking about strengths and weaknesses for the Thai Cats, what we see as their strength and weakness this season. I think it's the wide, I, I said already, the wide receivers, I think, are their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the defense. I, I think that's something that Hamilton for a couple of years was known for. Uh, and in that early start last year, they the gave only- up a lot. The only concern I have, and I don't know if it's a concern or if you can label it that, um, I still don't believe they signed their number one overall draft pick. They have not. So, what, what's going on with that? I don't know. Like that to me seems to be really the only cloud hanging over Hamilton at this point in time. My concern, and it ties into that, is as much as I love the strength at wide receiver, it's the Canadian wide receiver position. No Andy Fantus this year. Shamad Chambers looks like the guy that's going to, you know, be playing the entire year in that position. He tears his ACL, I think it was. It was either the ACL or the Achilles. One of those that's always season ending in camp. Now at the wide receiver, Canadian wide receiver position, all of a sudden you're left with uh, Felix Faubert Louisier, who had a total of three catches last year for the Thai Cats and is a bit of an under. He had a pretty decent preseason from what I saw. He had two catches. Uh... Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to me, they have to find a way to get production at that position or get overproduction from another position to make up for that. So to wrap up the Tie Cats here, what's your expectations for the team this year, and what do you like? What do you expect to see from them, and uh, where do you see them finishing in the East Division standings? Thirteen and five, first in the East. Thirteen and five. You think they're going to be that good this yeah. year, Mike? Uh, again, I was listening to Podski Wee Wee, and shout out to them. Uh, go check them out after you're done listening to this. They, they mentioned that I don't think the Tie Cats, something like the Tie Cats, have never finished with more than twelve wins in a season. So you have them setting their their franchise record yep. this year. What what particularly about it? Um, just I I really think that they can build off what they had last year, and I I really see a scenario, like I said, where they go five and three and five and three. One of those season halves might be uh, stretching it to the six and two, 
sits in two, five and three type of half of the season. I'll say nine and nine or something like a ten and eight. I'll go nine and nine for the Thai Cats. Uh, or you know what, ten and eight. Ten and eight, finishing second in the East Division. I I think they're going to be an improved team this year. They're going to get off to a much better start than they did last year. I just don't think it's enough to go and win the East Division. So moving on to our next team here, Mike. Uh, Toronto? Yeah, let's move on to the Grey Cup champions, the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, Not too often you are able to repeat as a Grey Cup champion in the modern CFL. Is this the year? Can the Argos do it? Becomes the question here. Uh, Looking at what they did in the offseason. The biggest thing. New ownership. MLSE. Yes. Consistency. Stability. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, defensively, they wanted to improve that defensive backfield. Uh, they brought in Taylor Reed to join Bear Woods at the middle linebacker position, although Bear Woods is injured for the first month. Uh, and even just this past weekend, Mike, they bring in another defensive back, Abdul Kane, traded from the Ticats to the Toronto Argonauts for an eighth-round pick. I mean, that's basically giving them away for a football. Well... Here's what I think happened. I think they basically said, okay, Kane, well, we're going to release you. And Toronto said, okay, if you're going to release Kane, can we give you something to boot to the front of the line for his services? So the pit was just a throw-in. Because I think Kane is one of those players where you would have had a few teams lining up for him. And I think an eighth-round pick is a pretty low price to pay for a guy that has a pretty high ceiling, especially on a team that has Mark Trussman as coach. Yeah, I, I first of all, I'm shocked that we got to the point where Kane is being cut because he was a former All-Star, and he was injured last year, and so he only played seven games because of that. Yep. I, I, I didn't. You know, I maybe I missed something here. Uh, I, I'm surprised that Abdul Kane was to the point where the Ticats were ready to cut him. And huge pickup for the Argos to only give up an eighth-round pick and bring in a guy like that for here, a secondary that's already going to be vicious to play against. Here's the thing. Toronto, for my money, has the best balance in the East as far as offensive power. And defensive power. I think you throw Kane into a system where he doesn't have to be the guy. He can be more of a supporting task guy. I think he's going to thrive. I, I didn't, you know, Kane is not the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy. He can be a supporting task. I'm telling you right now, you, ch- want, you want bold predictions on our season preview show? Number one defense in the CFL in 2018, Toronto Argonne. Well, uh, all you have to do is look at who the coach is, Trustman. All you have to do is look at who the general manager is, Pop. Is it really a surprise? No. Offensively, uh, I, I have more questions offensively about Toronto than I do defensively. What are the questions offensively? Wide receiver. Yeah. How do they plan to fit in those guys who got all those yards, like, Posey, I think, is NFL. Yeah, Posey's off, to, I believe, with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so how do they come up with, you know, the yardage 
who takes Posey's yardage? Is it split amongst committee? Is it one guy? Is it, you know? Again, I would have had questions at quarterback, uh, back up last year, of course, but that to me is somewhat settled now with James Franklin and Bethel Thompson. Um, but to me, the biggest thing is wide receiver. They know what they're getting at running back. And you've got possibly the best fullback in the CFL in Declan Cross. Who had a who really a heck of a catch in the great top. And had a really strong season last year. So I think that's a strength for the Argos, the running back position, the defense. I agree with you, the question mark at wide he, receiver. He, you got SJ Green. You got Ar- Armonte Edwards. Those are hands down your two number one guys at the wide receiver position this year for the Argos. After that, it becomes maybe a little question mark of who's going to step up. You've got some guys who have seen some action uh, or have been a member, you know, with the team. Uh, you got Levi Noel. You've got Jimmy Ralph. You've got Brian Timms, who had spent some time with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, and the guy who came in from the Montreal Alouettes this offseason, I thought he maybe was the best looking of these guys trying to fight for a spot. And that's Alex Charette. Uh, during the preseason, I thought he had a couple good games there, so maybe he gets a spot there. But the wide receiver position, for me, is the question mark for the Argos. But they're going to have a heck of a strong run game that's really going to back them up here. So, Mike, my question for you then becomes, where do you see the Argos finishing in the in the East Division, and how does this season go for them? I didn't take a while for them to come around. I think they have an injury or two on offense that, We'll kind of set them back just a little bit. I have 11 and 7 set in. I've got 12 and 6 first in the East Division for the Toronto Argonauts. I think I think they're far and away the best team in the East. I think Hamilton will prove to be some competition for them here. Uh, but I've got the Argos taking the East Division this year just like they did last year, except with a little more strong of a record here. Uh, moving on, Mike, talking about the Ottawa Red Blacks. This is a team that had gone to two straight Grey Cups, had won the Grey Cup in 2016 uh, against the Calgary Stampeders, and uh, did not make it back to the Grey Cup this past season, losing to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the East Division semifinal. What did you make of what they did this offseason? Um, number one, I thought they brought in uh, the best guy, that they possibly could uh, for that defensive position. Um, not to say that Martin Nelson did a terrible job last year. And you're talking about Noel Thorpe. Yes. That's who they brought in. Um, but I think Noel Thorpe, any defense that has Noel Thorpe on it, is to be reckoned with. And I believe this gives Ottawa more balance, but I, I still have a few questions on that defense a little bit, you know. But again, it's how much can they guard, you know, some of the perceived holes on a football team by overcompensating in some areas. I think this is going to be a pretty good defense for Ottawa. And I think all throughout the offseason, I wasn't giving them as much of a chance as I should have because, and, and now looking into it, you know, some of the guys they brought in along that defensive line, they brought in Jonathan Newsom, they brought in, uh, A.C. Leonard, they brought in, uh, I believe, Michael Clawson, who was with Calgary. Uh, Kyrie's Hebert is a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks now. At the defensive back position, they bring in Josh Johnson. Uh, Pruneau is back there again. Luches Purifoy moving over to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think this is going to be a good defense, uh, a real good defense that the Red Blacks have this year. Is that the same Purifoy that played in B.C.? Yes. 
Okay. How many Purifoys do you think there are, Mike? Well, I just wanted to make sure I had the right die in my head. Okay. Um, yeah, my question becomes not so much defense, offense. You know, that's... What's the question mark on offense? I know this is going to sound really bad, but I want to see Trevor Harris go from very good quarterback to upper echelon. I think he's got the tools to help him. Harris is a good quarterback, but this to me is the year where you go into that upper echelon, into the Nichols, into the Mitchell, into the... Because guess what? It is a contract year for him. And I think after this year, with once they get the CBA sorted out, the balance of power could be shifted in the CFL substantially for next year. The uh, the running back position, I think they're, they're as set as any team. Uh, William Powell, Moses Madu. Uh, one of the guys they did release uh, in training camps was a guy that was expected to come in and, you know, maybe get a t- spot on the team, and that's Ed Ilnicki, who I thought had a decent camp and had a lot of hype surrounding him. Um, he was cut by the team, but they're still stacked at the running back position. William Powell missed out on the rushing title by very few yards last year, despite missing some time due to injury. Uh, wide receiver position, I think that was the position we were both questioning for the Ar- for the Red Blacks, sorry, coming into this season, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, um, to be frank, um, I believe that the entire CFL has kind of musical chairs at that position every year. Some are stronger than others, and... A lot of that is money. Um, I know this is completely unrelated, but I find it really interesting where teams allocate the most money on their football teams. I'm talking about the spread of offense and defense, offensive line versus defensive line, and it's just a very interesting kind of teeter-totter that you have to MacGyver. I was concerned about the wide receiver position, after what I saw in the preseason, I don't think I really am that much anymore because you've got Greg Ellingson, you've got uh, Deontay Spencer, you've got Brad Sinopoli, Julian Fioli Godino, uh, former bomber, uh, Tim Baines uh, from the Ottawa Sun did say, you know, in a conversation on Twitter with him that uh, they're likely going to run two Canadian wide receivers in Sinopoli. So Fioli Godino and Sinopoli. Sinopoli, okay. And then, uh, so your fifth guy you got there, Dominic Rimes, who had a heck of a game that second preseason game there. And I expected him, uh, based on some time he got last year, to get a spot on the starting roster this year. So I think they're loaded up there. What's What's your major concern for the Red Blacks? And I think you maybe answered can trevor harris take that next step trevor needs to take the next step i also think ottawa does not have a lot of room for injuries in my opinion especially if they lose a receiver or two um defense they can absorb it a little bit again i do have a depth question for them uh coming into the back half of the year so, we've both got the Ticats and the Argos in the top two. Uh, where do the Red Blacks finish out East? Third, nine and nine. Third, nine and nine. I've got them third at eight and ten. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of an under 500 year for them. But ba- I, Based I, on, I'm just curious, what, what, what's your lineup thinking? I, I, just based on 
it's too top heavy over there and then the West division or Yeah, I, I, I think it's just that you know, it's one of those just vibe things, right? And and this is honestly the Red Blacks might be the team that I'm most completely wrong about this year because this is a team that I, I, I had a hard time pegging down, right? And, and I think the West Division is going to be strong. I think the top two teams in the East are going to be strong. And just naturally from that, the Red Blacks are going to lose some games here. If if the defense plays the way they can and allows them to win some games, they'll be better than 9-9. Nine and nine. I agree. I agree. But again, to me, the big question is Trevor Harris. So moving Trevor on. Trevor Harris needs to enter that upper echelon for there to be a first place Ottawa discussion and I'm not saying first place nine and nine moving on here Mike because we uh we we are going to need to start going through these teams a little faster here we took a little too much time as we always do uh we've both got the Montreal Alouettes uh you know by process of elimination finishing last year in the East Division uh talk about quickly what uh, you thought of what they did in the offseason well, I thought they had a better offseason than the season before. There's still just a lot of questions, right? New coach, quarterback, can they stay healthy? Behind the quarterback is a question. Defense, I think, is better than the offense at this point. But again, a rebuild wasn't built in one year. Let's be frank, it's a rebuild in Montreal. I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. Um. Well... Is it fair to say that when most of your team is still uh, up there in age? This is, to me, very interesting. There are some teams, and we'll talk about them in the West Division, but seemingly seem to think that there's an expiration date on certain players. Or they seem to be able to move to the time where it's a bit of a younger roster. Montreal, I don't know if they can afford that. Something needs to signify to the fans that we are rebuilding, not to have one of the oldest rosters in the CFL. That being said, there are more questions than actual answers, and I think do not be fooled. Montreal is going to have a fantastic first six weeks of the year. They're going to win a couple of games. They're going to be in games. My question is exactly what happened last year. What is going to happen in the back half of the year when there's video on these guys and they're not necessarily a one-trip pony, but people have seen them once or twice and they know how to scheme against it. I don't think they have the depth to sustain very many injuries, especially at key positions. Running back might be the only exception to that. I believe they have a little bit of depth there, but if man, it's like knocked on wood with any of these teams. Drew Willie needs to stay on the field and find some some form of confidence. Couple losses in Montreal. Fan base is kind of on edge. Man, if this team doesn't start well, they could catapult to the bottom very, very quickly. Defensively, I think they'll be good this year. But the question becomes, can they remain good if their defense is on the field the whole time? Yeah, and really, a- the whole question is the quarterback position because you're going with Drew Willie and Matt Schiltz again this year. That being said, you know, Drew Willie has some experience. Can he get back to the way he played at the start of his career as a starter? I don't know. I think it will take a lot around Does this signify to you a lot of status quo in the most important positions? Well, in, in a position where they, 
it's interesting because in a position where they've had a lot of changeover, when you finally expect the changeover, they don't go make the changeover, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like this like reverse logic here from the Alouettes. Preseason, I thought Drew Willie, especially in that second preseason game, didn't look terrible. Is it enough to go out and win a lot of games for the Alouettes this year? I don't think so. Let's that see. being said, the experience, you know, the improved roster around him, I think the Alouettes go out and win a couple more games this year. The saving grace to them, and they cannot afford this, and I'm thinking long term, they cannot afford a lot of what happened last year. They need to, I just want to say they're going to lose a lot of games, but they need to do so in a certain way, which makes their organization excited for the future. Because I think Montreal is one of those teams, if handled right, could cash in on a lot of the jackpot with a lot of those free agents that summer and completely change the whole landscape. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks out there. There's going to be a lot of players out there, supposedly with a new CBA. Maybe Montreal looks at that and says, okay, you know what, we got the pieces on defense. Now we go after that quarterback if Drew doesn't get it done this year and then kind of rebuild that way. Uh, we've got them both. But again, both. you have to give free agents reasons to be there. Right. And a season like last year won't get it done. We've both got them finishing fourth in the East Division. Yeah. What do you have for a record for Six the and 12. That, that's somewhat what I was thinking, too. Six and 12, maybe five and 13, something like that. I, I, I think they'll win a couple more games than they did last year. But I think just given the question mark at the quarterback position, the performance of teams around them, I think the Alouettes are going to have some struggles again this year. Moving over to the West Division here, Mike, uh, pick your team you want to start with. Well, uh, the record, my playoff teams in the East. Well, and I save them for the end. Okay. We, we'll, we'll, we'll go through this at the end. We'll go through the quickly playoff predictions if we have time here. If not, we'll just go straight to the Grey Cup. But moving... If not, it gives people to visit our new website. Exactly. Moving to the West Division here, pick a team to start with, Mike. BC. BC. So the BC Lions missed the playoffs for the first time in forever last year. A down year for Jonathan Jennings in his sophomore year as a starter in the CFL. Uh, a lot of questions. Uh, I thought the offseason, new general manager Ed Hervey did a great job of building the coaching staff and building the personnel on the field for the BC Lions. And I, I, I think they're going to have a real good bounce back year here, Mike. I'm going to say yes, but... Again, I don't want to read too much into let's play for Wally. It's his last year kind of thing. I I put the Jets on that a little bit. I I think they're going to have a good year. I I think it's major break for Jonathan Jennings here. You want another bold prediction for this year, Mike? Sure. I said the Toronto Argonauts would have the best uh, defense in the CFL this year. I think Jonathan Jennings finishes as one of the top three quarterbacks in the CFL. I'm not there yet. I, I think he has a bounce back year this year. I really do. And partially, you know, it's partially reading into what I saw from him in that preseason game. I thought he looked pretty darn good in that preseason game against the Bombers. Uh, he's got his arm strength back from his shoulder injury. Uh, guy's got a rocket of an arm. He's got some of the best receivers in the game at his disposal. Manny Arsenal, Brian Burnham, Shaq Johnson. If you haven't heard that name, put him on your fantasy rosters now because that guy's going to have a monster of a year. Yeah, I, I don't know, Ryan. I mean, you and I are having this conversation, and I struggle with how to seed these teams. Me too. 
I have. Like, like, what is the difference from one to five in the West? Whoever said the healthiest? Flip a coin. Well, flip a five-sided coin, I guess. Somebody make those. I'm sure people do. But I, I, I see the Lions being improved. I wonder how much of their offensive struggles last year was due to the offensive line. They brought some big pieces in for that this offseason. See, and this is where I kind of said it's very interesting where teams put their money toward the salary cap and it being the teeter-totter. BC put a lot of offense, offensive line edge. In, offensive in line and defensive line. That defensive line is going to be real good this year in BC. couple question marks maybe at the defensive back position, but, I mean, that defensive line is going to be stacked for the Lions this year. I think the Lions make the playoffs this year. I don't have them finishing last in the West. All right. What's the real concern for you? Well, a team that started 5-2 and two last year completely fell off. And I, I know Ed Hervey is trying and planning for the future and all that. If this is the play for Wally's season, which I'm assuming it is, I would hope that your intentions are not Let's play Wall because it's Wally Buono's last year. There are some guys on that team or it's a major break season. And if something goes wrong, I'm I'm not ready to anoint BC a playoff team yet. Okay, so where do you have the Lions finishing then? Eight and ten last place in the West. Okay, I have them at ten and eight finishing third place in the West Division. Like I said, I think they're going to be an improved team this year. I can't see a Wally Buono team missing the playoffs two years in a row. You're probably right. And again, I have this struggle of trying to put somebody in last place. Moving on to another team here, and I, I do apologize for fans of these West Division teams that were moving through them kind of quickly. Maybe we can better talk about them next week. Calgary Stampeders is the next team I want to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Two straight heartbreaking Grey Cup losses. This is a team that's made the Great Cup two, three of the last four years. They, uh, the only one they didn't was 2015 when it was Edmonton, Ottawa. Uh, they won it in 2014. They lost 2016. They lost 2017. Consistently finish at the top of the conference or the division, sorry. Every year people think it's finally going to be the downfall of the Calgary Stampeders. Arguably this is the offseason where they had the most changeover. What do you make of their offseason? Well, if you are coming to a Calgary Stampeder game or going to the game on Friday, because I think they're at home, on Saturday actually, Saturday at 6 o'clock, um, bring a program, yep. because there is a lot of new guys. Uh, there's a lot of question marks in behind Bowley by Mitchell. There's a lot of question marks on the defense, right? How are some of these guys going to fill in, right? It's... The first year minus Jerome Mastiff, so how's Williams going to do at running back? They had a lot of changeover it's, on the offensive line as well. You had a couple guys retire there, too. It's also the the great fear of the unknown bear, and maybe they'll be better than we're giving them credit for. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, it's Calgary. It's a John Hapnado team. It's a team coached by Dave Dickinson who, let's be frank, should have won the last two great cups, shot themselves in the foot both times, and have no great cups to show for it. 
you know, maybe to use the hockey analogy, remember the Washington Capitals, they had all those good teams that couldn't get in? Now they take a little bit of a, not a rebuild, but a bit of a different looking team, and that gets them over the top? I wonder if that happens in Calgary. And Calgary still has most of their centerpieces of their team, right? Absolutely, but I think, I don't think people are looking at Calgary for the vast majority of pundits to be that 14 and 4, 13 and 5 kind of team. But last year we saw a team that took a step back on offense, but took a step forward on defense. That's what I saw. And I wonder if we see a lot more of the same. Now, here's the thing Calgary lost a lot of guys, uh, many to retirement, some they let go, some they traded. Uh, a lot of changeover for the Stampeders. They got a lot younger this year. People like you questioning, are they going to take a step back on defense? Here's the thing, Mike. Their defense was so dominant last year that even if they take a step back, they're still a pretty darn good defense, right? Yeah. yeah. Offensively, you have Bo Levi Mitchell had a down year last year. Do you really think he's going to have a second consecutive down year? He's been training hard all offseason. He's healthy. He's lost some weight. Well, I'll He's, tell you what. Bully by Mitchell had the big year ahead of him. Exactly. Because he's done an NFL window that opens up after this year. If he takes a look at that or maybe just a general. He's going to be more mobile this year, too, after losing some weight there. Uh, at wide receiver position, they're as good as ever, especially after bringing in Eric Rodgers back. Uh, you know, Mark and Michelle, Eric Rodgers, Kamar Jordan, Devaris Daniels. I mean, this is a team that's loaded at the wide receiver yeah. position. And Terry Williams. We've seen a couple games from him so far. I, I, I just, how's that new left offensive line? And again, that, that's the question. To, to no fault of their own, we have not seen what they look like on TV because they were the only team not on TV this preseason. Right. Uh, and as one team, based on the way the preseason television deal was set up, it does not get a preseason deal. I, I think that's my one question mark, is how will the offensive line do for the Calgary Stampeders? Uh, that's the only question mark I have, though. Uh, so wrapping it up on the Stampeders here, Mike, where do you see this year going for them? Third place, 11-7. and seven. Okay. I have them first place in the West Division, 13-5. and five. I don't see this team taking a step back. And, you know, I'll continue to pick them to win the division until they come crashing down. And I know that's not very exciting of me to make that pick, but it's from what I've seen. You know, every time we talk about, oh, they're losing, you know, they've lost some guys. They're going to take a step back this year. John Huffnagel finds guys out of nowhere who come in, nobody knows about them, and they become all-stars. And he's going to continue to do that. And I think the team is as good as ever. And a bounce back year from Bo Levi Mitchell is going to put this team back into first place in the West Division here. I, I just looked at some other teams in the West that might be better than Calgary at this present point. Okay, so let's move on to talking about another one here then. The Edmonton Eskimos is our next team here, Mike. Uh, lost a lot in the offseason, and you'll hear that on our Week 1 preview episode coming out this week. Uh, in which uh, which we'll be recording right after this one here in about 15 minutes' time. Uh, you'll hear from my interview with Andrew Hoskins of the Eskimo Empire podcast, talking to him about the offseason, just how many guys the, the Eskimos lost, 
over the winter. A lot of changeover on that team, certainly. What do you make of what they did this offseason? Is it interesting to say they lost a lot, but actually got better? How? Well, I mean, I think their offense is going to be better with some of those receivers they brought in. Uh, defense, let's load it minus the week one defense, uh, which has three major pieces out against the Bombers. And again, I say it's Mike Riley. It's C.J. Dable. It's, it's Edmonton. And my question is, when do people take Edmonton seriously? I think they have to. And, you know, yes, they lost a lot of pieces. But you have to remember how many pieces they had last year due to all the injuries, right? You know, you talk about a team having so many unknowns after they let a lot of guys go. Well, no, Edmonton knows what they have from all of these people because they got to see them play when guys were out due to injury. And they performed pretty well for a large part of it as well. So I think the Eskimos, I agree, they lost a lot of pieces this offseason. Initially, I thought that, you know, this was going to be more of a down year for them because of that. But from what I've seen from them in the in the preseason and training camp uh, and just, you know, realizing that fact that these new guys coming in, we saw them play last year already. And the Eskimos were a really good team last year. So I'm not as concerned anymore about the Eskimos as I was to begin with. That's fair. Stre- the strength for them, I mean, MOP of Mike Riley, right? And that offense. Wide receiver position, you lose Brandon Zilstra. You lose Darius Bowman, but you've got just as good of depth coming in. You've got you, two guys in Duke Williams and Bryant Mitchell that are going to have great years this year uh, with increased roles there. C.J. Gable, a full year with Edmonton, is going to be great. Defensively, that's kind of where I have more of the question marks uh, about the Eskimos because I haven't gotten to see a lot of their number one defenses off this preseason. Where do you have Edmonton finishing this year, Mike? Fourteen and four, first in the West. Fourteen and four, hey. All right. Do you want to speak to why fourteen and four? I just think that Edmonton Calgary takes a bit of a step back, like I said. Um, I just think if there's ever a year for Edmonton to get all the pieces together, you know, you come so close. People forget they were 12 and 6 last year with all those injuries. Two games better doesn't seem that far out of a picture. I have them finishing second in the West Division, uh, behind the Stampeders and ahead of the BC Lions with a record of 11 and 7. Did I math that correctly? 11. Yep, 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 I did. Okay, just making sure. Uh, So I have Calgary finishing 13 and 5. Edmonton at 11 and 7, BC at 10 and 8. Moving on here, Mike, we've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's talk about the Riders first. First of all, very quickly, what is going on in Saskatchewan, Mike? I mean, we we haven't talked too much about training camp cuts here. Uh, There are some questionable ones on other teams, but then you look at the Riders, look at Rob Bag. You look at Chad Owens, Bakari Grant was a 1,000-yard receiver last year. Travis Bond, one of the best offensive linemen in the league the last couple of years. What's going on in Saskatchewan? Well, after having a couple days to think about it, I don't think the cuts are that far-fetched. Rob Bay didn't play in the preseason. They have better receivers in Saskatchewan. 
Better than a thousand yards? I can't see it. Well, Chris Jones says it's a young man's game. Chris Jones doesn't care about poster players in Regina. He's all business. We saw what happened years ago when they cut Dressler and Durant and Chris Jones is a no nonsense kind of guy that has no emotion to to uh no emotion to cuts. True. Um clearly there were three guys that played better than said three guys and I I you know I They're going with two young kids on that offensive line. A guy that was drafted this year supposedly beat Travis Bond. Shepley? Shepley. Yeah. Yeah. So so I I'd like to say Chris Jones is crazy, but Oh you can, he is. In the same sense I think he knows what he's doing and I'm not surprised that Rob Bag or chat about Rob Bag or Chad Owens, even though Rob Bag has spent a heck of a long time with the Riders well, organization. Yeah, sure. Um Bakari Grant, I'm floored about that one because he was a thousand yard receiver last year. And Travis Bond, I'm even more floored because we saw what he did here in Winnipeg. And he just as much as Matt Nichols coming into the lineup, it was Travis Bond coming in that turned around the Bombers season a couple of years ago. And uh the Riders brought him in this off season and subsequently have cut him now. I, I'm shocked by those two. I, I think Travis Bond was against it when he was an American. And to be honest with you, I don't think his play in the preseason justified in the salary. What do you make of the off season as a whole for the riders? I think they got better. I to me this is this is a very scary scary looking team. If Zach Talaros is anywhere the quarterback that he was two years ago, look out. Yeah, and that's question mark. What Zach Caleros are we getting, right? Um, uh, I did not particularly like the Zach Talaros that I heard about in the preseason game. No, he certainly did not perform well. And let's just say he left the door open for Brandon Bridge to start this week. Chris Jones still hasn't announced a starter. I think who's kidding who. For me, money speaks and... Your highest-paid quarterback is the starter on most teams. He will start this year. Defensively, I think this is going to be a good year for the Riders. You know, especially they brought in Charleston Hughes along that defensive line. On the other side of Willie Jefferson there, that's going to be tenacious. Um, middle linebacker position, I think they downgraded from Enoch Mwamba to Sam Hurl. I, I thought their offense was going to be the best one in the league this year. But now, honestly, I don't know come after what I saw this week because Canadian wise and this is not just at the wide receiver but across the field the riders might have the worst depth in the CFL at the Canadian position hey and when was the last time we said that about a Chris Jones team uh, at the wide receiver position it looks like their go-to wide receiver now is Devin Bailey who we have not seen a lot of because they did lose Nick Dembski. They go, I'd go Rob Bag, uh, ju- you know, just a couple days ago here now. And, um, you know, they let go a lot of wide receivers here. And there's a couple unknowns there. There's unknowns of what we're going to get at the quarterback position. And there's unknowns, I think, on the offensive line. It does not look like they have a lot of depth at the offensive line. The offensive line looked pretty shaky in the preseason here for the Riders. So I have a lot of questions on offense for them. Strength, defense concern for me just what we're going to see from the offense all right so where do you have them finishing 13 and 5 second didn't you have 
Edmonton first, Calgary second? Nope. I said Calgary third, 11 and 7. Right. Okay. I have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last in the West Division. Wow. I don't want to put them last in the West Division. I don't want to put anyone last in the West Division because I don't think any team is going to deserve to be last in the West Division. But the matter of fact is I have to put one team there out of these five teams that are all going to have great seasons. And for me... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do you see a situation where fifth in the West is better than third in the East? It's pretty possible. Yeah. I think I have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here, Mike. I have them finishing last in the West Division with a record of 8-10. and 10. Somebody didn't be trying to walk because they're a very good football team and didn't miss the playoffs. Finally, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, I believe we should get into the matter at hand. We did spend a lot of time on last week's show talking about the whole Matt Nichols, uh situation. Turns out Matt Nettles is only going to miss four to six tweets. Fingers crossed. Chris Shreveler? Shreveler, yeah. Strebler. You got it right, Mike. Shreveler, we. Okay. Uh, Chris Shreveler did not go 10 out of 10 again in BC, but Close. apparently did just enough to get the start on Thursday. Your thoughts? Well,. Obviously, when we found out Matt Nichols was only injured for four to six weeks, we're all doing cartwheels and hoping we don't injure ourselves while doing cartwheels. Um, certainly a lot better than we initially expected. I mean, when we were talking last week, we were thinking, you know, is he gone for the season? We're hoping it's just something like six games. And uh, Mike O'Shea seemed pretty confident in his comments on the injury and the timeline of it that, it, it'll be closer to four weeks uh, and for sure back by six. I get there, he's been put on the six-game injured list. So do they we can s- pull him off after four. Do we saw that off as a five-week injury somewhere in between? Well, if you look at it this way also, the injury happened last week. The first game is this Thursday, so a week of your four to six weeks has already been chopped off in that sense. So now you're down to three to five weeks, and I have to say... Bombers have a pretty favorable schedule early on in the season. You got a tough game with Edmonton coming to town, but then you play Montreal and you play Hamilton. Then you have a home-and-home with BC. That's the first five games for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Certainly not saying it's a cakewalk or it's going to be an easy matchup at all because there are no easy matchups in the CFL, although one team sometimes is considered would you be one. doing? Would you be doing cartwheels over a two and three start? Probably not, because I can't do a cartwheel, Mike. <laughs> but but metaphorical cartwheels, I I think that's a very reasonable start. I'm I'm gonna take any honestly any start the Bombers can get with Matt Nichols out. Um, you know any win they can pick up there could be a key win down the stretch. And it, it's a matter of first you try to survive, then you try to thrive. Question for you. Sure. Trivia question. We'll see if you know the answer. Who was the last rookie to start a game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at quarterback? The last rookie. I don't know off the top of my head. Yep, but all the way back to, I don't know what year it is, the second last game of the season, Joey Elliott. Good old Joey Elliott. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. And a name I think I'd rather not hear. <laughs> uh, 
But it's interesting, uh, Chris Traveler has some pretty hefty company when it comes to true rookies starting in week one of the season. You have to go back to 1994 and Anthony Talville. Yeah. So no pressure, kid. No pressure. You know, it's interesting because after that first preseason game, everyone's anointing Chris Strevler going 10 for 10 as the next coming of I don't know who, but, you know, praising, oh, Matt Nichols is injured. It's okay. We've got Chris Strevler. Bombers on Friday night in that preseason game against BC go and start Alex Ross. First play of first offensive play. What does Ross do? Fumbles the ball and is yeah. taken back for a touchdown. Just... But then all of a sudden, Alex Ross started to get into a rhythm. He started to complete some passes. He had a pretty darn good performance in the time he was in there for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He got the offense moving well against BC's number ones. And then you get into the second half, and this is really what everyone in Bomberland was waiting to see, was how can how is Strevler going to repeat is he going to repeat his performance from the week before and he comes out very flat in the second half near interception thrown to Odell Willis on his first pass pick six thrown on his second pass and and at that point it became a lot of question marks as to who was going to start at quarterback this week and all signs were pointing to it looking like it was going to be Alex Ross getting the starting job this week after that game in BC you know, Strevler did start to get his feet under him in that uh, as he went along in that third quarter there. Uh, did complete a nice touchdown pass himself. So uh, the Bombers, you know, between the preseason games and between what they've seen in camp, anointed him as a starter coming into this week. And Thursday night, Chris Strevler will be starting against the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting this after last year to say, Chris Strevler is going to start opening night for the Bombers. I would have asked you, who the heck is that? I sent you a text message uh, a couple days ago. Uh, it was a tweet from Bomber uh, Media Relations and PR guru, Darren Cameron, who said they Paul Apley started tracking Chris Traveler late in the season last year. Put them, They put him on the night list two days before the Great Cup last year in Ottawa. Crazy. So you go from a night list guy two days before the Great Cup to... Eight or nine months later, being an opening day starter. And one more thing, just quickly here before yes, we move yeah. on. Um, how much of a Chris Traveler's a wild card went into that decision? Oh, I think that's part of it. You have no game tape. You look at it. Edmonton probably has some video on Ross. They know who this guy is. Edmonton probably left guessing as to who Chris Traveler is and. But, no, I, I like the move for the Bombers. Um, I, I think they strictly went on intangibles. You know, they looked at the intangibles of their quarterback, and, you know, Strebler seems to be a dive. It seems to want to move the pocket, but can escape from pressure. But I, I think I don't want to anoint him as a CFL quarterback and a CFL star. And I think that would be unfair. He's got the intangibles to be a a CFL quarterback, and why not see what he's got? Uh, Off-season-wise, I thought, I mean, I love what they did in the off-season. Defensive back position, they overhauled everything. They brought in a lot of guys. Um, Offensively, Darius Bowman's going to have a monster year. Obviously, it depends on the quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, Nick Dembski, 
the guys they drafted, Daniel Petterman, uh, great Canadian Simon receiver, I. Simon I. Uh, ah. It looks like it's going to be uh, either Walatarski or Petterman getting the start as the second Canadian. This I year. heard it last. I checked it was Walatarski, but. I heard Petterman might have won the job there. Really, the question becomes now for the Bombers, and, you know, the question was middle linebacker position, and then Adam Big Hill shows Number up. Number four. Number four, Adam Big Hill. The real question. Isn't Darvin Adams four for a while? He was, uh, but he switched to number one. Okay. Yeah. The real question now in Bomberland, and the only question I have, two questions I have very quickly here, quarterback position, because Matt Nichols is injured, Chris Strevler making his first career start. We have no idea what we're going to expect from Chris Strevler here. Let's be real. We can, based Mm -hmm. on what we saw in preseason and in training camp, make some wild predictions here, but we have no idea what we're going to expect from him. Defensively, all of the pieces are there. But do they all fit into the puzzle in the sense that what's Richie Hall's scheme going to look like? What's his defense going to look like? Preseason-wise, that defensive line looked great. But again, it's preseason. How does this all fit together? That's my two big questions for the Bombers. Same. I won't argue with that. So what's what's the strength for you? Offense, really. I would have said this before to Matt Nettles' injury. Uh, they have a good quarterback, good running back, good offensive line with two Canadians there. Goodness gracious, I love this team. I think if the Bombers can survive the Matt Nichols injury, they, they they can come out with a good season here still. That being said, I think it's in an incredibly tough West Division. It's going to be hard because every win matters. I have the Bombers finishing fourth in the West Division with a 9-9 nine and nine record. I have every team in the West separated by exactly one win. I have Bombers finishing with a 9-9 nine and nine record here, crossing over to the East Division playoffs. What was your third place in the East? Ottawa at 8-10. and 10. I'll tell you. I'm in the same boat as you. Idle Bombers fourth place. Uh, maybe a little bit of a slow start, but peaking toward the end when Matt Nichols returns and down the stretch. 10-8, and eight, crossover. Quickly here, Mike. We don't have time to go through all the whole playoffs here. Yep. Grey Cup, which two teams are in it? And who wins the Grey Cup in 2018? Uh, Bombers lose the East Final to Hamilton. Saskatchewan upsets Edmonton in the West Final. So you have Saskatchewan, Hamilton. Who do you have taking the Grey Cup? Hamilton. Okay. I have... I don't know. It's either Calgary or Edmonton out of the West. Uh, You'll hear it on our Week 1 preview show uh, during my interview with Andrew Hoskins saying, I have the Eskimos and the Argos. In the Grey Cup, I could see it being the Stampeders or the Eskimos. Ideally, I'd love to see one of those cross over in a battle of Alberta and Alberta for the Grey Cup. But I'll give you this here, Mike. I love what they did this offseason. I love having a full year of this guy at running back, and that is James Wilder Jr. I have back-to-back Grey Cup champions, the Toronto Argonauts. Perfect. That's it for our 2018 CFL season preview. That's the end of this episode of the podcast. Stay tuned. Wednesday, our week one preview featuring an interview with the great Andrew Hoskins of the Eskimo Empire podcast will be coming out then. Uh, Lots of content on the way. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to our 2018 CFL season preview. And uh, stay tuned for our week one preview here on the Canadian Football Countdown.